Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Last Professionals and for Last Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have part two with Jamie from Lash Base, and all we're going to talk about today are unpopular opinions. So this should be much more, uh, well, just controversial. <laughs> Hopefully not too much to the point where you all unfollow us and think we're a bunch of lunatics in the lash industry. But if not, hopefully you'll learn some new ideas or think differently or see things a little bit more open-minded. And as you know, again, please always hear our heart. We are not the end all of everything. We don't feel like we know it all. We just see things sometimes a little differently. We try to test it and really see what works best. And hopefully you'll do the same. We do not feel like if you don't follow us or believe what we do, that somehow we can't be friends. This is a big tent. You can follow us or you can unfollow us. It doesn't really matter. We'd love to have you in at our family. Even if you think differently about things, that's cool. And I just think it's good to talk about this stuff. I think it's always good to kind of dig in deep and see why do we believe what we believe and then hopefully learn from it. And if, if we maybe find out, oh, wow, I think I'm off on that one. Maybe I need to think about it a little bit differently. So that's all good. No foul, no offense if you don't agree with us here. Anyhow, let's get to our announcements. We right now are going to be in Sydney really soon, guys. And we should, hopefully by the time this is airing, have worked out that we are, our goal is to have our business elevate class both in Sydney and at the Gold Coast. So two different times. March 7th is going to be on Monday, and then we're going to have it later in the week. And uh, those details will be in the show notes in the Gold Coast, God willing. And you can come and you can learn how we built our salon. You're going to learn about customer service. You're going to learn about finding and attracting clients. We're going to just unpack a whole bunch of bags of goodies on business and how to grow your business. Promise you it'll be well worth it. And the price is going to be quite affordable from what I've been told for what the market price is in that area. So look up the show notes or go to our Instagram. All that stuff should be there and you can sign up and buy your ticket today. Other than that, oh yeah, then um, April and May and June, we're going to be in Texas, we're going to be in New York, and we're going to be in Los Angeles doing Tuscany's Lash Retention and Styling course. So if you haven't ever heard about it, because we talk about it all the time, you definitely want to do this if you're clients lashes aren't lasting more than two or three weeks if you get if you have to come back every two weeks or three weeks you want to take this course and your clients then will start going three four maybe even five weeks between appointments which means because your skills so much more you're going to be able to charge more make more money and get more new clients in your books so this is a great course if you've been doing lashes for a while this is how you're going to level up your game and become an even better artist and now by the way i don't always say this i should, I should remember this is really best for people who do pre-mades Promades and classic. Volume is okay. I get, you can do it. It's just really, really hard. So we really advise, which I think a lot of people are moving into the pre-mades and promades. So if you're moving that direction, then this is really your next step. It's going to really give you a whole different approach to lashing, and I promise it'll be well worth it. And that's pretty much all I have for announcements. We're really excited to sit down with Jamie again and really unpack some more unpopular opinions. I have got an unpopular opinion here, and that is when it... Okay, bring it on. All right. My unpopular opinion is that being a knowledgeable lash trainer or an excellent lash artist is not enough to be successful in the industry. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. Say what you're saying again. Say, just being knowledgeable is not... Not being a good artists are good trainers. Okay, so I'll talk specifically about trainers to start with. And I have a reason for this opinion. And I'd like to use this moment to give somebody uh, that deserves it a shout out, a lady called Julie Sandy. I think her Instagram is at Salon25. She is a wonderful 
and lovely lady. She has taken every single training course you can imagine. She's traveled all over the world, seen like master volume artists in Ukraine. She's like done her training with like uh, Maven over in the US. She's done it with everyone and anybody in the UK. She's been around for as long as the industry has, I think at least 15 years. When you speak to her, she knows everything and understands why. However, she has never been someone to be on camera. She's never been someone to put herself out there. She's always second guesses herself. But as a trainer, when you're in one of her classes, there isn't anything she doesn't know. Hmm. So therefore, that is why I have the opinion of she knows it all, I'm sure. But she's relatively, and I don't mean this in a bad way to her because she is ever listening to this, but she's unknown in the industry and hasn't been as successful as some of the popular trainers you see. So that's why I have the opinion of being a knowledgeable trainer is not enough to be successful if you want to talk in terms of maybe money and popularity. Yeah. No, I think there's two big hats you wear when you are a trainer or a lash artist. You are on one side, an artist who does all this, but on the other side, you're a business person who needs to know marketing and not just marketing, but sales too, because you need to know how to not just get a client to call you and want to book with you or you got to know how to close the deal. You got to know how to speak the language that now makes them want to really see and book with you or take a class with you. And I think those two things are not the same. And there are, yeah, I've ran into people who I'm like, you're really smart or you really got some great ideas. I even know some lash brands that are doing some great work, but they're just not good yet at marketing. They don't know how to really get out there. They don't like going to Instagram. They don't like selling, you know, they hate the idea of sales because it makes them feel dirty, I guess. And so they unfortunately remain more obscure from the industry when I know that they have so much. And every once in a while, we'll run into one of these people, event or a social or at IBS. And unfortunately, some of them get bitter because they've been in this industry for 15 years. They're like, I've been in this industry forever and no one knows who I am. And I'm like, I've seen what you do and I think you're brilliant, but you're not, you're not it's marketing. It's not the muscle that you're using. You're yeah. not doing the exercises that you need to get the, the following that you desire, although yeah. you know everything. Yeah, knowledge is not enough and being great at something is not enough. You have to be a salesperson and you need to be a marketer and those things just have to be, you're signing up for that. If you want to be, a trainer and you're going to go off and you know, not work for a company. Like if you come and work for Lash Base or you come and work for Bella or whatever. Yeah, you can be a trainer and let them do all the sales and that's great. You can be a trainer. And I know some people like that who are, they love working the company because it really takes all that pressure off. They just go do every weekend, go to trainings and they love it and that's fine. But for those, a lot of people I know, I mean, I don't know how many, but probably a large majority of Lash artists at some point in their career are going, I want to be a trainer now. I want to do this on my own, but how do I do it? And I think, if you just think I'm just going to be a great trainer and I'm going to write a great curriculum and I'm going to have great presentations, you're missing half of the equation. And you're sadly going to remain most likely obscure unless someone becomes your champion and goes out there and, and, and validates you. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe you have an audience. But really, marketing, sales is something you got to sign up for and take classes. <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, you don't have to be the same as everybody else. You don't have to do things the same. But although if you want to be a well-known trainer in the industry, how are people going to know about you if you don't show your face? If you don't have that extra bit, you could know everything. But if you don't know how to communicate it with a camera in your face in today's world, how are apart from a bit of word of mouth or a bit of whatever, but there's still uh, still requires more work to it than that. And so, yeah, that's my unpopular opinion. The same with being a a decent lash artist. I think if your plan is to be a lash artist in your local area and 
you want to have a full diary, I actually do think that being good at your job is enough because you could um, start on your friends and family for free if you want, and they will have lovely, brilliant lashes. Someone will ask them. Someone will say, where are they from? Like you can build and have a full diary from word of mouth alone in your area. But if you want recognition and to be known in the lash industry by others, then it's not enough to just be good because you even have to be good at taking pictures. Yep. And they're all a skill that a lot of people don't understand. Can yeah. I just say one thing? I just want to point out a cultural language difference a here. Diary? Yeah, diary. <laughs> what the, what's that yeah, diary? We know what you mean when you say diary, but we would probably say schedule, full schedule, yeah. or a full book. Oh, okay. Full book or full, full schedule. Full book or schedule, yeah. I didn't yeah. Know that. Yeah, yeah. When we think okay. of diary, you think of like a dear, teenage girl saying, dear diary, diary, today was a good day. Johnny likes me. I really me. like Johnny. That's what you think of when you think diary. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go and write all of this in my diary when I get home. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this is something out there as people who maybe are last trainers or want to get more known. And one of the ways you do it is conferences, speaking. And, and I know some people are like, well, how do I get to be a speaker? The truth is this. Um, you need to show value to those people who make those decisions. So for us, I actually put out there, we have on our, our link in our bio, a place where people can submit talks and say, hey, I'd like to be a speaker at LashCon. And I know other people do the same thing. And the truth is, I uh, last year, one of the speakers who we had come on and speak at, at our conference last year, just, just because she reached out to me and said, hey, I really would love to be part of your conference. Actually, she had done something before that for us. She had asked us to be part of something that she was doing, and we did it. And then afterwards, she came back and said, hey, I really would love to be part of LashCon, which is a real big, important difference here. Because I get hit up all the time by people who say, just let me be on the podcast. Give me this. Give me that. Let me be on a speaker. And they, I don't know who they are. I have no background, nothing. They're just out of the blue, just reaching out to me and asking me to do stuff for them, which is nice that they look up and want to be part of this. I'm honored. But at the same time, without any context, I'm not always prone to really res- to get back to them on that because I'm like, no offense, but a hello would have been a good way to start the conversation and maybe get to know each other. And even better is if you're like, hey, how can I help you, Paul? So I can help your podcast and then, you know, and then return, I'm going to feel obviously wanting to help them some way and promote them. And I think that's how you begin to network and build your business. When we first started doing this four years ago, I literally would often not just say, hey, how can we help other people? I would just offer to help. I would promote their page on my Instagram. I would just repost stuff. I would do things that would be promoting other people. And even now with LashCon stuff, I often will say, hey, I'll give you discounts on tickets if you help me with this, or I'll give you that if you help me with this. You need to be giving, not just taking from people. And that's how you can build your name. And that's how you build your reputation. And Maybe you'll speak at LashCon here or just now. That's that's you know. the thing. Yeah, you're, you're right there. And that in itself is another skill set to try and have to yeah. understand the best way of um, networking and building relationships. Because the thing is, some people, uh, maybe I'm talking specifically about England again, I'm not sure, but we're not all like confident and happy to talk to people. We're most, a lot of us are introverted. Um, but even that, if, that's, uh, if you're self-aware to know who you are and what you're good at, even down to um, something like a Facebook group. I know maybe not right now, but uh, definitely a year ago, with these face, Lash Facebook groups, I've said to trainers before, look, just, just help people in the group. You can type answers. Don't pitch your course. Don't, don't yeah. do anything. Just, just build a name in that group as being that person that, that helps people and knows the answers, and, and you'll be showing off you know everything. Your name will be there in that comment all the time that you're doing it. 
And you build up that credibility and authority if you're not the kind of person that can go up to someone and try and build a relationship face to face Mm -hmm. to start with. Like there, there are different ways. And I think that as well is another another skill to to be self-aware, to understand what you can, you're good or not good at, and then use those different paths to try and become known to show off that you do know everything. I think it's great. I love that. I didn't think about the Facebook thing, but you're right. Absolutely. Establishing authority. It's the whole idea is is if you can establish authority that you understand your market, your world, your business better than other people, and you have real value, people will follow you. That just naturally happens. And, and you can take that Facebook group and then bring them into your Instagram. And then before you know it, you may have 5,000 followers and you don't need a hundred thousand followers on your Instagram to be able to build a, a business to do training. You just need a handful. And before you know it, word of mouth too will spread too. If your training's good, they'll build their friends. Like you need to take this training just like you built your last business. So yeah, you don't have to be the outgoing waka waka comedian online doing all this stuff. You can actually do a, a more silent background approach. Or like I said, with us, if you're interested in being LashCon, you know, be, definitely reach out to us, but see what you can do to add value, not always just asking to take from people. So let's do a, a few more. This is a really this big is, bomb yeah. and I'm prepared. Okay. And <laughs> there's context so we can unpack it. We can talk about everything, Yeah, but I am prepared that I know that some people are not going to like so I'll say it. No, I'm going to say it. Oh, to say okay go ahead in terms of longevity if your goal is longevity okay i think everyone's goal is that all right i don't think everyone's like i want the short lashes in terms of longevity (laughs) it is best to place the extension at the very base of the lash not one or two millimeters off the lid so i'm actually talking about it is okay to place that extension flush with the skin i'm not saying glue it to the skin I'm saying flush with the skin. All right. Now I know that everyone's like, what? Oh my gosh. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Okay. We're going to unpack this. We're going to unpack this one objection at a time. Can I just ask this first question? Why do we right now tell people to do it at least, usually it's two millimeters, sometimes one millimeter. Yeah. Why do people put it one one to two millimeters off off the lid. lid? To reduce the irritation, the risk of irritation. So, or the, like the allergy? <laughs> I thought that was a trick question. No, yes. no, 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 you're yeah, absolutely I, right. I think that's the number one reason. We've seen other reasons people have come up with, but I think that's usually the number and one. And you are absolutely right. If you place that extension a millimeter to two millimeters off the lid, the client is not going to feel it whatsoever. It's just going to be like a cloud. There, there's nothing on there, right? And in some ways, it does reduce the amount of irritation. Now, in the beginning, people said place it a millimeter away because it will prevent contact dermatitis. It will prevent an allergy because there's no way. But what we found out now is that if somebody is allergic, it doesn't matter if it's a millimeter off the lid, uh, if it's anywhere around the eye, they're going to have a, an allergic reaction. And that came from Dr. Zyrus, who is the, one of the leading doctors in um, contact dermatitis. It's in not United. just him. It's, I know, a, it's but, other doctors but I'm too. Just, we really confirmed when we talked to him last year, he is one of the leading thought leaders in this world. And we asked him about it because we had heard this and knew this already, but he absolutely said, oh no, yeah, absolutely. As long as it's in the vicinity, you're going to have an allergic reaction. And also the solvent can travel down, can wick down the hair and get on the skin. Okay. So those, if somebody's allergic to those particulates, it doesn't matter if it's, it's a millimeter or not. So you're not preventing anything. Now the physical feeling of having something against the skin, for sure, if your client needs to avoid that at all costs, you should 
keep it up a little bit higher. But here's why I bring the lash all the way down to the base. It's because I want the longest amount of wear for that client. And I tell them at the very beginning, I say, for the first couple of days, you're going to feel them. They're going to feel a little tight. It's kind of like when you have extensions in your hair or when you have tips on your fingers, you feel them for the first couple of days. But as soon as it starts to grow out, it softens up and then it feels like your own. You're not going to feel like that the whole time. You might not feel like you want to wash your lashes. Do the best that you can, but it's it just hang in there. It's not going to feel that way the whole time. And we tell clients, your lashes are going to feel tight for two to three days. Right. And then because I've done it myself, I've gotten lashes from Tuss back during the pandemic, finally. I could attest to that. Like, yeah, the first day I went, I touched them, I'm like, wow, I can totally feel it because it's touching my base. But within the second day, like I got like on Monday, by Wednesday, I was like, oh, okay, they're not there. I don't feel them at all. Yeah, it's kind of like when you get your nails done, you want them to bring the color all the way to the cuticle so that you have extra wear, right? Even a millimeter is one week's worth of growth, right? Now then let's talk about the uh, the other thing about the chemical. It's a chemical, people say. It's a cyanoacrylate. You shouldn't be putting it onto the skin, right? Well... We don't glue it to the skin, but it does touch sometimes. Let's just talk about comparative beauty services like bleaching your hair or coloring your hair. The manufacturers will say, do not get the bleach on the skin. Do not get the color on the skin. And ideally, they would like you to leave a little bit of margin. But anybody, any woman or man who's gotten their hair colored knows that you want to get it all the way to the base because you don't want a line of roots there, right? Now, bleach is very caustic and very burning and very irritating, but people do it, right? There's a bigger surface area of your scalp, right? The thing about cyanoacrylate is that it sets up instantly, instantly. So there's no transfer of product that can leach in into the skin and further burn it. Or damage the skin or like that. Right. You've got to make sure that you're isolating. If you're not isolating, you can glue lashes together and that can be really bad. You don't want to do that. That's not what I'm saying. But- one that's perfectly put on there does not prevent the lash from growing. It still continues to grow. Just like nail polish on the fingers or tips on the fingers do not prevent that nail from growing, right? If it's singly properly applied, it's not going to prevent hair from growing. It doesn't clog the pores either. So it's just a mind shift. It's just a difference that it's, yes, there is going to be more uh, chance of physical irritation around there and thus possibly even contact dermatitis because it's it's touching. But in terms of weighing the risks, if the client's highest goal is that longevity and that durable wear, if you talk about those things, I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing that. This is the thing that I like... Um... I know that people listening won't see the, what, what we can see on camera and I have my head in my hands as you were talking <laughs> yes. there because it's that crazy, and this is what I was hoping I would get personally from this conversation, is that crazy realisation. I wanted to scream the answer because I realised, again, was something I'd never considered. I remember recently seeing someone saying two mil and I remember someone saying one mil and then I have seen a, a manual recently that says 0.5 to one millimeter and even one of the team in my marketing team was trying to post an educational post and they posted and they were getting their information from an old manual and they put two mil from the lash and people commenting and saying oh this is really old school this is and it was like oh we've we've posted something old school here (laughs) but then as you're explaining why it made me realize like I've never even why haven't I thought of this like and I, I know I've said to you and you said at the beginning of this that we should always ask why And it's something, again, as you've explained it, that it all completely makes sense. And the key to it being successful to the lash artists 
that are listening is communication with the client to make sure that the client does understand what the feeling will be or what it is and why because otherwise they could misunderstand what that is and then that, that all of a sudden it, it escalates for the client because they, they've got pain in their eye or whatever it happens pressure or whatever mm-hmm. um, and then when you talk about other beauty treatments that go through a similar process with chemicals that are far more like invasive and that potentially and give you a worse yeah. result yeah it's uh I like that one. Mm-hmm. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. Yeah. And- no, no, it's, it, that's, that's a relationship killer right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because people are so committed to it. As lash artists, we feel like the one thing that we must do is protect our clients, especially such a delicate area. And just the thought, oh, it's a chemical that can burn. You have to use precautions on it. But if you think about, like, I want to get my hair colored, I want to bleach it, and then I want to color it. I'm up for the fact that it's going to burn. And I might even get some scabs on my scalp. But it's worth it, right? Because Women I suffer bring it from, all the way yeah, down there. I don't the want a little line of, you know. So if you're able to explain, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it for the first couple of days. But if you think about it, it's like what you want. And you won't be able to see what I'm showing Jamie here is that I've got a little pad of paper here. And I've got like a, a cup. If you're able to get the bond on there because a lash even though we look at it it looks just like a line it just looks like a hair if we shrunk ourselves down to be really really tiny so that that extension was like the size of a tree and we looked at the base of it the base of it would be solid round it would be like a disc right well that disc needs to fit somewhere and if we get it to fit right at the base and the hair is right next to it there's no gap that gives you the absolute best fit what happens is a lot of us there's always a little bit of a gap there. And we're if we're trying to get it off the lid, a millimeter off of it, the way that we're applying it is a little bit different. I'm going to just explain this really, really quickly. When I do lashes, I do lashes off the pad. That's what I call it. Most lash artists lash flat on the pad. And now when I say flat on the pad, I want you to think the pad is on the, the client's iPad. eye, the gel pad, right? Yeah. The lashes are lying flat on top of it kind of like a blanket. Those lashes are lying there and the tips of them are pointing towards the client's foot. Now, when you isolate, you take your tweezers and you rest them against the pad. So the tips of the tweezers are touching the pad and you come above it and you drop that lash down. And so sometimes you might even get that lash extension stuck flat on the pad, right? How I do it, because my greatest value is longevity and getting the best mechanical fit I cannot see the base and I cannot guarantee that that fit, I'm getting the best fit when the lashes are flat on the pad. So I changed the perspective. And instead of the lashes being flat on the pad, they're up. They're at a 90 degree angle. So they are no longer pointing towards the tips of the feet. They're pointing above at, at the, the ceiling. ceiling. Yeah. This way I get a bird's eye view. I can see 360 around where that follicle is coming out. And now my tweezers are not touching the pad. They're in the air. They're parallel to the pad. This way, I can see all the way around it. I never drop, I never glue the lash, sometimes mistakenly drop on flat on the pad. But this way, I can see 360 all the way around it, and I can get the best mechanical fit, and I can ensure that there is no glue that is bleaching out, leaching out, pulling around like a nail head at the base. And I can make sure that there's no gap and it fits. And I get the most surface area covered to create the strongest, most durable bond. 
That's how I do it. It's not blind when you're going above and you're you're lashing flat on the pad. You're blind. You really can't guarantee that fit. By the way, now that's our class, so don't pay for it. Don't come to our class no, that's, anymore. That, <laughs> that's how I do it. And so that's it is it, yeah. a different feel, and you do have to explain. You're going to feel it a little bit more during the process. You're going to feel it afterwards. It's just like having extensions in your hair. For the first the, couple of days, you're going to feel it. That's really key. You have to explain that because if you don't explain that, clients will freak out. They will get upset because we've had it with our staff would forget to mention that with our technique. And then, and then the they call, call back and yeah. say, I can't, My lashes, you know. it's, and I'd it's say, painful. Give it, give it a couple of days. But you have to make sure that you explain that from the very yeah. beginning. And it does take a while to master it because you have to be extremely precise. And I think that it's very difficult to do this without optics yeah, you, was, you have to have loops you need loops um, and because you have and you have to change that perspective so that you're you're doing it differently yeah. because if you can't see the base i i don't guarantee i don't I recommend it we, that's called drop and hope is what we call it you just take your lash you drop and you just hope it sticks and, and you, you hope, hope that it's right. going in the right space yeah <laughs> so what are your thoughts jamie I really am going to have to see this with my own eyes everything that you have just explained makes me think God, Jamie, you idiot. Why didn't you think that before? I am very excited to go and see it with that. I'll come out and show you. Yeah. I'd be happy to. We'll do a training in the UK next, not this no, year. No, in Georgia. Year. Or George. Well, he's not always here. He's coming and going, but anyhow. We do have a big space for training anyway. Yeah. We'll talk, yeah, maybe. We'll talk about that. <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it another time. All right. So why don't you give us another one? We got a little bit more time. So to your, right, to your okay. Time. I will try and find... We've given One you, here. We've given you a couple okay, of I've got two. I've, no, I've got. Uh, I've got two more. Two more that I could talk about, which um, I feel like because I am also involved in this, they're basically lash brand related, which might make people think. But again, I think we'll we'll say it without any context, and then okay. we'll just unpack it from there. But no one's allowed to just like cut this sound and say this is what jamie said yeah okay they'll post it online on instagram (laughs) did you hear jamie said this it's context context ladies (laughs) so i believe that being a brand ambassador for a lash brand is often bad for everyone involved Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, we got... Okay, let's unpack it. Never heard this one. Okay, that's shocking. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I think that the lash artist, most of the time, can have the best intentions to what they believe being a brand ambassador for a, a lash brand will offer them. And I believe very rarely, but sometimes, that the lash brand has good intentions with it too. But I feel like with sometimes without beating around the bush, it is it is marketing because you need people, you need people that love your products, love your brand to help you with word of mouth. And having a brand ambassador is a way of helping with that loyalty and making somebody feel special and want to do that. So the good way and the right way that this could work and should work for for everybody is that the lash artist truly does love the brand. And by definition, an ambassador is somebody that that should be going around spreading the word of this. Like that is how much and they should be compensated for that in, in a certain way. It's they want to do it for the right reasons. And I think that what actually does happen is it's an easy way to for some brands to say we need to find a way of having people post about us. Let's put out a uh, saying we want brand ambassadors and we'll give them some discount. 
and and then just make them do things or sign, get them to sign something and make them do things. Whereas I, th- I feel like a lash artist might think that nobody knows who I am. If I become a brand ambassador, everyone will know who I am and I'll all of a sudden be this massively successful lash artist when in reality what then happens when the brand thinks that way and the lash artist thinks the way I've just explained is there's you get a honeymoon period of about a week in which they're (laughs) posting and excited and everything's going on and when they realize that you're getting asked the lash artist is being asked a lot of them for when they're trying to also have their own lash business it's not beneficial to the lash artist Mm. And therefore, it ends up not being beneficial to the Lash brand because baseline behaviors get set with, we'll send you this free thing, we'll give you this discount. But if any of that stops or gets taken away, then all of a sudden there's even more bad, there's bad feeling between something that was once a potentially honest and good relationship and it turns into something it it shouldn't have been. And I just feel like uh, at the moment anyway, because we know influencer marketing, everyone knows influencer marketing is massive and the more people shouting about you is more awareness and social proof uh, that you're good. I feel like the people, the brand and the artist getting involved in a brand ambassador program, that I feel like it's for the wrong reasons. Hmm. And therefore, my unpopular opinion is unless you are in love with a brand and you truly do want to, they help you, you want to help them. I don't think aiming to be a brand ambassador should be a target of a lash artist. Okay. The fact that you're saying this actually it's it's kind of it's it's evidence coming from a brand. <laughs> coming from a brand, it really does mean that you really are for the artist because you're really thinking deeply about something that is like an industry practice. It's very uh, accepted and very understood and and lash artists feel a definite benefit about being attached to a brand. So the fact that you're challenging this you know for no you know, seemingly benefit because you could possibly benefit from this. It really does show your heart in the, in it. But I, I, um, I, I kind of agree with you. I do agree with you. It's tricky for us because we have friends that are, are lots of brands that have a lot of these programs and they've got a lot of success with them and I'm not throwing shade on them. But one of the downsides about being an ambassador is that in some ways I don't think it's wrong to be a fan of a, uh, of a brand or a fan of product because we all are and we all have our preferences. But when you become a brand ambassador, in some ways you are accepting some blinders and you are in some ways cutting yourself off from the possibility of trying other things because you are dedicating your loyalty to somebody. And I understand the marketing and I understand the benefits and you know that kind of thing. But in some ways I do think that you are saying – I'm going to turn a blind eye to everything else. Yeah, and I think that's a huge issue is you're basically saying you're not as open to growth because I think for us, one of the reasons why we love meeting and knowing so many people is we learn from different perspectives, different ways of doing things, whether it's from Australia or from UK, from Canada. It's great meeting people who think and see the world different. They, different they use, ideas. They use words like diary and stuff like that. So it's really helpful to see new perspectives and new language. Also, I've met quite a few, and I've seen online, actually, a lot of people posting who are bitter. Artists do get bitter, like you said, because they feel used. They feel like they're... There's not they, a benefit. They don't see the upside for them. They actually thought, they, like you said, they thought they were going to get better known. They thought they were going to be featured more. They thought this brand was going to make them their poster their child. ticket and, to fame. Yeah, and, and they're they going to become a lead trainer now and all these other things and those things don't happen for myriads of reasons and so then bitterness is a natural thing because when you break trust 
anger is usually a natural reaction to trust breaking. One other thing I would actually challenge for a lot of people who want to become brand ambassadors is that what benefit really is it for your Instagram page for you to be bragging about what brands you use when you're using that page to attract clients to you as a lash artist? I would say 99.9% of all clients out there don't care what brand you use. They're not calling you going, are you lash base? Are you Barbaletta? Are you, they, they don't think that way. They just go, I hear you're a great lash artist. I see your work. My friend loves you. I would love to see you. And then all they see your page and you're posting about how great all these brands are. There's going to be a disconnect. They're going to be like, what are they selling me? Are they a good lash artist? Or are they now selling lashes in their salon to other artists? You can confuse people. And when you confuse people, they generally move on. And so you need, always need to be very clear with your messaging on Instagram. And so that could be another problem if you're a brand ambassador. Not, now, again, all our friends who have brand ambassadors are going to be emailing me going, we no longer will be on your podcast because we don't support you. No, the whole goal <laughs> is to grow the industry. So this can be a service for if you have a program and you're thinking about it. We're not bagging on you. We're encouraging you to think about it differently. How can you prevent people from being mad? You know, you know, how can you give value to how can you solve that particular pain point if you do have ambassadors, yeah. right? This is the thing is I have a lash brand. We have brand ambassadors and it's a it's always a delicate situation i'm the one with the opinion but we i understand i'm caught in between marketing and doing the right thing by the right people all the time because you could talk right now I'll give you some positives as to why one might want to be a brand ambassador but what we're trying to do is get people to really think about it to think like think ask themselves why so why do I want to be a brand ambassador? What benefits? Like, because at the end of the day, the lash artist has to ask himself, how will it benefit them? It's a tough one, but I understand it's part of the industry. But it's just, I don't like seeing lots of lash artists with brand ambassador. Here's my discount code in my bio. But then equally, it's one of those where sometimes I think, but hang on a second, because I know what we do, like our, our ambassadors we have get paid commission. So if they want to earn extra income mm-hmm. and they're known within the lash industry, that's it's like saying, why would anyone do herbal life? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like, you know, like if you want a little bit of extra income, maybe that's why. Like, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but there are reasons. And it's just uh, that's why it was my unpopular opinion, because I just wanted anybody listening to this. I don't I don't want anyone, any brands listening to think I'd, uh, I dislike Jamie now because he's telling everyone don't, don't, don't have brand ambassadors. No, I actually um, think that the question is a service and it's a vulnerable one because you're really putting it out there. But the question that you're asking is, is this the best way? Is this sharpening for all of us? You know, how can we do this differently? And I think it's incredibly thought provoking and I think it's incredibly courageous and, um, I think it's great. I mean, we're dealing with this problem ourselves with our podcast and LashCon is the whole concept of affiliate marketing, which we've thought about doing. People have approached us, would love us to recommend, and we won't do lash companies because there's just too many that we love, but other outside businesses. And, you know, there's a problem when you become an affiliate, you can't wreck your credibility because all of a sudden they just go, well, you're just being paid for that. So you're just going to say it. So for us, we're very much like, well, if we're going to get behind something, we have to 100% say we are customers and we love this product, this service, or this whatever it is. And that's why we recommend it. It's not because we get paid. This only it was a secondary benefit that came along because we were such big fans to start with. Like strategies, we've been pushing strategies, coaching, because we were clients for like five years for ever since we started our podcast. And we don't get a dime from strategies and strategies. And we may one day, we may work out a deal where strategies pays us for when they get people, but it wasn't because we 
we're selling out. And we're, we're just going to push a bad product on people. And so I, I, I really think this is, you're more getting it. You just need to know your why and you have to dig down deep and ask some good questions about yourself as a lash artist on why you're doing this, not just to make some money and just to be, you know, just grab money from everywhere, but because you probably are, you've seen so many good benefits and how it's helped people and how you want to help people. And you're like, no, I'm on board for this. I, you know, and I want to put my name behind this because I believe in this company. So I think that's just a good question to ask yourself. And I think that would be, actually, I think it would create less people would be bitter too, because they go with their mind fully aware of the ups and downs, pros and minuses. And, and then they will be more prepared um, to not be disappointed and then angry after. And then I wouldn't see these posts on Instagram or Facebook groups where it'd be like, screw this brand. They totally screwed me. They took advantage of me. They used all my work and photos. And now they threw me to the side and didn't give me anything for that, which sadly has happened at times. So at least from the last artist perspective. That was a good one, Jamie. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Let's do one more and then we should wrap it up. Well, let, I, you said two. So why don't you finish up with the last one and we'll... Uh, We'll just have to have you come back. Yeah, we'll I think we should do this. This is, should be again. a feature. This is like I a think I, I, I don't know if I would rather you end on a more lighthearted note because my next one again is just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. So if we, I'll okay. do a, we'll do a quick one. We'll do a quick one from me, and sure. then we'll end with a quick one from you. Okay. My unpopular opinion, and again, this a bit of context, I guess. This kind of doesn't matter to the lash artist, I guess, if you really think about it. But my unpopular opinion because it, it personally makes me feel like I feel something, is that I believe around 90% of lash brands are simply private label, white label products. Yeah. That doesn't matter to the end user because they're finding a brand that they like and the products work for them, great. But personally, knowing that, yes, some of lash-based products are white label, but also we have products that we have manufactured using our own manufacturer. And to see the standard I've been working for six years on this product and then they show their new product, which is identical to everybody else's. It makes me feel something. So I wanted to share that as my unpopular opinion. Don't know why that even matters to lash artists if it does the job. (laughs) That's my opinion. What do you think? I think that it's wise of you to explain that there's feelings about that. The question is, you know, does it matter? you know, in the end. If it works, um, right? The product works. Does it really matter in the end? In some ways, the answer is no. But if it's a point that when somebody says, I've been working six years on it, and it, it, it turns out that's a private label, that does make me feel a little something. It's probably the same thing that you're feeling too, because what they're saying is that, you know, maybe they had six years of worry and think, and they wanted it to be this way. But so we don't know the process that they went through. But honestly, it sounds like they just picked something out of a catalog and said, you know, let's change the label on it or something like that. That's deceptive marketing in some some ways. And I know that was a big aha for me when I went to IBS for the first time and I saw all these white, actually it was Cosmoprof. Actually, I went to Cosmoprof in the United States. And all of a sudden I went, oh my God, (laughs) everything is already made and people are just slapping labels on it all over the place, whether it's hair shampoos, whether it's nails, where it's all been made and these companies just pump the stuff out and then they just, everyone slaps their labels on it. This is the thing, yeah, before COVID, we, and we'll hopefully go this year, uh, me and my mom and my brother go to Hong Kong yeah. Cosprof. We want to go there too. We like to think, it's, it's a lovely, my favorite city in the world. I, lo- I love the place, it's so nice. But we go there because all of the Far East manufacturers, it's easy for them to get there. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a better choice, we believe, than the one in Italy or the one in, in the United States because yeah. of traveling. Yeah. So we go there and I remember, and 
again, because I film everything, I've got all the footage of it. And you see each time you see all of these new products. And then we decide whether it's something that we're interested in. But then we place have a little sweepstake place a bet to see who and when is the first time this is going to be released as a here's our new product sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's again, I'm not naming any names. No. I'm not na- I'm not going to say anything. But like, it's so interesting to see where you get to see when they're trying to these yeah. these manufacturers are showing off their new things and then you see six months down the line uh, a lash brand releases mm-hmm. it as their own and you think oh mm-hmm. i've seen that i remember that. that's interesting we <laughs> see the same thing we do the same thing too and maybe how people can change the dialogue or if they don't want people to feel badly or feel somewhat um emotional about it what they can say is like i've been i've had a concept i've wanted to do something like this for a long time um, instead of like, I've been working, I don't know. I, there's it's something. Truth in advertising. The idea is most lash brands are distributors. They're not manufacturers. That's the truth. Most are distributors. They find product. They source product. Yes, they can't even manufacture some of the product too, where they come up with an idea and they say, hey, we're going to do this. But especially in newer companies, and they tend, a lot of times will say, oh, I'm a manufacturer. And I know that I'm like, Mm, not really. I know you. I love you. You're a great person. I even seen your products. You seem to be doing good work. You found a good manufacturer, but you are just taking product from another company, labeling it and putting it out there, which is no shame. That's not a bad thing. That's how almost every, in fact, that's really how every brand starts at some point. And then as they evolve, they get more money and resources, and then they start sourcing things particularly just for them. And then they go out and get proprietary things done just where they manufacture a certain product or glue or whatever it is that's only their formula. But in the beginning, you have to start somewhere. And I just think that's where they're a little bit misleading when they, people sell themselves as a manufacturer when that's just not really where they're at. And, that's, and, I, and I think that would be a smart yeah, way. This, yeah, because it's really hard. What we're not asking a Lash brand to suddenly say, hi, guys, I'm new and I've got some products. I didn't make them, but I've just I've paid a little bit and yeah. now I'm charging a little bit more. So And I've put my label on it. So there you go. Like, who's no. going to... Because I understand you still need to, you're selling a product. You're to selling the sizzle. That needs, yeah. yeah, so I get it. I get all of it. It's just sometimes when you're, I just had to share that because being on the inside and seeing a lot and then when you see certain things and, yeah, it just makes you feel like, well, maybe you could have explained that one differently. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't affect the end lash artist, I feel like I've had my therapy by talking out loud yes. about it. And I think that's the end of it. So the hot product for this at the moment, especially I feel like in the US anyway, is is these snatched base pre-made fans. Yeah. Have you seen everyone's everyone's bringing out, like obviously we, we have them, like oh, we yeah. didn't invent them. We're not hand pinching them as to yeah. make the bases. And it's, yeah, just being on the inside, you know the manufacturers. Know. And if you don't request, this is a tip for a brand listening. If you don't request, they will give you the standard sizing label stickers you can see and that yeah. reveals where it's potentially where it's from yeah. because of the sticker they're sticking on the bottom of your tray or on the front of your tray yeah mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that's ask it. That's, for that to be changed that's yes. a little tell <laughs> top yeah. tip for lash brands you absolutely can tell yeah <laughs> not that it matters not that yeah. it matters i mean you're very wise to say that because in the end it, it's still the same product it's just kind of a little emotional yeah Okay, we'll wrap up with this last one. Okay, all right. So this is a little gentle. Taking Benadryl, which is an oral antihistamine, it's an over-the-counter drug, does not help you prevent the allergy. 
And I'll explain why. A lot of people think, well, it's an antihistamine. And if you're having a reaction, if you're having an allergic reaction, it's because there's histamines in the system. Yes, if it's a food allergy, but if it's contact dermatitis or allergic contact dermatitis, irritant or allergic, it's not histamine related. You there's four, there's different four different types of, of, of allergies. Uh, allergies. And Benadryl or an antihistamine is for a food allergy. It's type 1, I it's think. A it's a type 1, yeah. Allergy. And contact dermatitis, allergic contact dermatitis is, is type 4. And it's not a histamine related. It's not, it's not a... Response. Your body yeah. is not producing the histamine. And so Benadryl would cut that out. I know some people say they've seen the difference. I'll see clients. Oh, I started using it. Totally helped out. I think you're seeing what you want to see. I mean, maybe if you have hay fever or something like that, that's, and there is histamines in your system, it's going to shut that down. But the mechanism for contact dermatitis is not histamine related. So doing Benadryl isn't going to prevent that. And the hard thing about that is that sometimes people will take that and think, oh, and I still have a reaction. Then they think, oh, now I I just need to quit the lashes. No, you can. We don't want to unpack that one. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Take our allergy course or watch a podcast where we talk about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't, I can't, like, we, uh, I don't know if you even remember this. I'm I'm sure you do. We, Lash Base paid so you, our staff could do your allergy course so that. We knew, yeah, so we've still got, I think we've still got the video. I think you might have sent it to us so that we could keep it. I don't know if it expired or not, but I remember, and I can't uh, recommend it enough. It's Thanks, uh, obviously everything you were saying, when you're saying these things, and I know how you talk about that, allergy, all, everything to do with allergies. I can't claim to be the most intelligent, but I enjoy listening to people that are intelligent talk about it because I think, yes, yeah, see, I know that. I might forget it in a week, mm-hmm. but the next time you say it, the next time you say it, I say, oh, yeah, I do remember that. That is really interesting. So, yeah, I can't recommend the allergy course enough. Thank yeah, you. and uh, by the time this probably comes out, our allergy course will be off the air. We'll bring it back this summer. <laughs> right now, we have. I think we're closing the doors on it this week, but we'll be back oh, again okay. in June, and it's even better. The one that I sent you from like two years ago, I think it's it was. It's been updated. We've yeah. updated it, and it has some new content because we basically interviewed another doctor who just blew our minds and, and gave us some more insight. We'll resend it to you. Yeah, you but if you want, yeah, I can resend it to you too. It's, it's a little shorter. I think it's only two hours and 15 minutes or 20 minutes now. I think before it was like three hours, three and a half hours. Yeah. It was too much. It's tight now, <laughs> and there's more information, new yeah. updated information. Anyhow, so. so anyhow, I, this has been awesome. We're I mean, going to have to do this again, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, I literally got only through five of my 20-some-plus things. Um, <laughs> if we're not canceled by yeah. the I know, right? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I, we might have no list. Like, we're like, yeah, we get 40,000 downloads in the next month. We're like, we got five. All well, right. we'd love to hear from our <laughs> listeners. If you agree with us, let us know. If you disagree with us, let us know, and, and let's open a dialogue. This is why we do this. Yeah. No, this is all about learning. And in fact... A good friend of ours really strongly disagrees us on about the false shed stuff and is really sent to stuff, but we've read and learned, so that's another we won't go into. But we're always open to hearing other opinions and what your evidence is on that. So if you have research or you've talked to doctors, scientists, whatever, be great. We would love to hear from you, and maybe we'll bring you on the podcast, too, in the future. And we can still be friends. Yes. We can still be friends even if we disagree. This so. isn't political. This isn't some... I like to always stay with lashes. It's we're not we're dealing with preferences here. It's not a moral dilemma. We're dealing with, I like vanilla. I like chocolate. You know what? You can like whatever you like and go with what works for you best. People are not dying in lash rooms because of the choices we make. So it's okay. Let's not get too protective and hyped up over this. But that all said, Jamie, where can people find you online? And yeah, let us know all Let's that details. Yeah. Okay, well, the first one, if you're a lash artist, go on to lashbase.com. Have a look through all of our lash products. We 
pride ourselves and i'm trying not to be a sales pitcher we <laughs> we pride ourselves on being able to offer a large selection of products we're successful enough in the uk to be able to have had the investment so that it's uh, it's not the case where we only offer certain curls or certain products we try to offer everything we like to be that brand that does when when offered by the manufacturers look we got this new thing we go yeah right okay we'll try it so we try to keep up to date with what we can offer so if you are somebody that likes to have what's trending in the industry we like to think we have it all of our lash liquids or sorry the majority of our lash liquids are made in the uk under strict eu and uk regulations which if you know anything about europe and cosmetics and mm-hmm. things they have some of the more strict Absolutely. regulations and we like to make sure that our our products meet and if not exceed those rather than simply like a mystery liquid with a label on it we we know our stuff so we like to try and promote that professionalism um so that's lashbase.com and then yet yeah, for lashbase and instagram because you'll be listening to this probably and you'll be a US lash artist, it's at lashbase underscore US. And for me, is at lashbase underscore Jamie. Yes, and definitely follow Jamie because Jamie actually has a great, he's gotten, the reels you're doing dude, are hilarious. You're a hoot. Especially the one with the red eyes recently. That was absolutely brilliant so, <laughs> with that new filter. So, um, and now I'm seeing like everyone doing them. I'm like, it's awesome stuff. So it's so cool, Jamie, to have you finally on the show. And we will definitely have to have you back and talk more about unpopular opinions because I think this is something that- Another we, four years. Yeah, four years from now. Oh, no, that's yeah. too far. I'll be, no, I'll, I'll be 60 then. I'll be 60 in four years, which is insane. <laughs> I'll be grandpa at that point. I'm no longer Uncle Paul. I'll be a grandpa <laughs> Papa Paul. Papa Paul. All right, Jamie, thanks so much for being on our show. Appreciate it. Great, Jamie. That was good. All right, guys, that's a wrap. We are done. We are out of here. It was exciting to have Jamie on. Hopefully you guys learned some new ideas or at least are thinking maybe a little bit differently about your lashing. And hopefully you don't hate us for some of our unpopular opinions. I want to please ask you to follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Bud, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Jamie Butler, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.